Welcome to Riverdale. Welcome to Riverdale. <laughs> Man, this is the Carefree Black Nerd Review Show where we go over the weekly shenanigans and hijinks of the newly rebooted Archieverse um, through CW's Riverdale. This shit, oh, good lord. I don't even. They. This show. Let me see. Where do I even start? God damn it. Um. This was an amazing episode. Like, I don't even know where to rank it in the list of episodes one to now to seven. But goddamn, did they do an exceptional job with this property this week? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, shit. Let's just jump right in. The intro, the intro, kind of cold open scene was magnificent. Like, this show has been towing the line of nostalgic Archie meets new contemporary millennial mess or whatever. They've done an exceptional job. And I didn't think that we would get a scene. I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind that they would pay homage or um, towards the old you know the source material and it's kind of like that shock that you got from um anyone who watched the Luke Cage series on Netflix when they showed him in prison and then they showed him in his original tiara afro silk yellow shirt and jeans with the with the chain link um belt it was like it was that feeling that I got to oh damn they they really went there and I really appreciated this scene in particular, I'm going to tell you right now, off bat, this is my favorite scene out of the entire episode. There, this was a great episode, but this scene was, just took the cake. Seeing Jughead in his traditional crown hat, everyone in there, I don't know, make America great again uniforms with their preppy clothes and their styled hair. And it just was, it was, it was they did a really good job and so you know shout out kudos to the writer's room to the uh, costume designer to the art director to everybody who made this episode happen and particularly this scene um and we find out that this is kind of a a a nightmare bad dream kind of because i don't know um it seems like jughead is the only person in this scene who is still him his current self everyone else is just like nostalgic caricatures of themselves shit mommy dearest looks pleasant as all get out with her uh oven mitts and casserole dish and whatnot and uh and jason and let me take a minute to focus on jason jason and polly are in this scene at the dinner at the breakfast dinner table with jughead and betty and mrs cooper well archie's there as well but one thing i like about this show is that it wasn't there was a murder and that's the end of it. Now let's f- figure out the murder. Jason, for a dead motherfucker, is in this series quite a lot. So, you know, he may not have a lot of speaking roles, but his presence is felt. And the show is arguably about him. Yes, it's Riverdale and the bullshit and drama that they deal with on a daily basis. But the overarching theme is this murder mystery that centers Jason. 
and shit every week i'm asking who killed jason like this is the jason show and so i really appreciated seeing him i from from the first episode all these different ways in which he's reimagined or um flashback or the essence of him is brought for to the forefront and i um i want to focus on that for a minute the first episode was that creepy white um symbolic outfit between him and his sister going off for the fourth of july where he was seen as relatively normal this regular guy then we get cheryl having things i don't know hallucinations of archie being um being her brother jj as she calls him um we then get the freaking get me body freakum dress candelabra adams family like montage with uh cheryl coming down before the funeral um in this freaking nose carter gown and uh we get the whole afterlife with archie zombie version of uh jason then we get um i think i think this was the next no no we get the flashback with him uh like being in the hallways at school and then we get like it's just jason is very consistent and i like what they're doing with this character um i'm sure it's all intentional if it's not somebody better say it is but he's like i don't know he's just a very strong presence in the show with all that out the way this scene was very eerie it was very bright as much brighter and colorful more than the rest of the show and more of you know how the comics were before the Archie Digest books, but it's so funny that because this the main show, which is grounded in reality, you know, based off of the colorful comic book, feels real and it's not scary. There's scary things happening, like murder and the social ills of being a high school student and dealing with you know affairs and all this other stuff like that. Normal stuff that hits you in the gut of your stomach, but this is this bright beautiful which should be at face value a happy fun time but it just comes off as so creepy and so uh just like a horror show and that is steeped in all this bright bubblegum colored clothing and set is just that makes it that much worse like that's a horror movie that's scarier than the whatever's lurking in the shadows um archie walks over to jughead after handing him um a knife and don't laugh at me i don't know what that utensil is called i think it's like a pitchfork where he's using it to carve the uh the ham then we cut to jughead's face then we cut back to archie he's like oh jughead why'd you stab me in the back and archie turns and there's a knife in his back all this um which i think kind of screams clearly that jughead feels some type of way some kind of guilt over him and Betty's relationship. That's how I took it. That's how I think it's intended. If you read something else from this scene, please let me know. Um, tweet me, Carefree Blurred, or email me. Um, I'd be interested to know what your, what your thoughts are, if they're different from mine. But the way I read it is that Jughead was very... Um, had these residual feelings of guilt over pursuing Betty, even though Archie is a dick, and it seems like everyone seems to fall over him, this trash-ass human being. But... um. And then he, you know, wakes up in his new home. You know, he always seems to get the nicest of places. He has this very, very nice loft over on the um, east side of Riverdale. <laughs> no, he's living um, in the school in the closet. And it's like, uh, yeah, that's very convenient. And it's one of those comic plot devices where 
shit that just wouldn't seem real. Like, one, if he's living at the school, how is he getting into the school at night? I mean, true enough, he could stay after class. But for all the ripping and running that him and Betty does solving mysteries, how is he getting back into the school to sleep in his closet? And why doesn't anyone know about this closet? And why isn't this closet locked? This closet is clearly open. He's coming and going as he please. And then for somebody who's homeless and kind of just squatting everywhere he has a lot of shit that he just like puts up to make this a a a homey place where for me personally i'd be thinking if i have to sleep in the closet at school i'm kind of going to keep all my stuff in a bag so that if i have to leave in a moment's notice but i don't know that's just me it just it came off kind of odd but he shows up um in the locker room or boys bathroom brushing his teeth and archie's behind like oh what are you doing here and he's like well you know i um I, um, you know, just taking advantage of the facilities. He's like, no, really, what are you doing here? And my question was, Archie, what the fuck are you doing here? You are no longer on the football team. You're focusing on your music. We both are here at this school at like 6.30 in the morning. Maybe, well, I don't know, let's say 4 or 5 in the morning. Archie, what the fuck are you doing here? That would have been my next question. He's sweating. Maybe he was working out or something. But, dude, we're both here way before hours like what are we doing here that's the better question um but we move on from that and Jughead shows his little i don't know little home and um archie is upset about it. it's called you could stay with me and my dad and this and that and so um i got <laughs> this is a really good show and this is a testament to the show or the fact that i'm just a sucker for teen dramas but I have been Team Jughead since the first episode. But I was sick and tired of Jughead bitching and complaining. And I say that um, being as rude or insensitive as I can be. Because it's like, your dad's an alcoholic. Your dad's, um, he's the one who was stealing from his company. That's why he lost his job. Why do you keep blaming this on Fred? And he's like, well, you know, I left, you know, my mom and Jelly Bean left, his little sister, and um, and I left because my dad's an alcoholic, because he lost his job, he can't, you know, provide for us, so, I mean, I get that, and that's sad, but I'm like, bro, this boy, boo, bro, all of the above, <laughs> shit, this is not someone else's fault that your father decided to drink you know what i'm saying and it might be a coping mechanism everything and i haven't had to directly deal with this so i try to be kind of sensitive but it's like face value this being a show dude your dad is a drunk it's his fault well as we learn later on it's not quite so black and white as i thought it was um and i put in my notes i'm tired of jughead acting like fred owes him a goddamn thing well now i have to eat my own damn words because apparently he does um Next, we get to Veronica, who is disrespectful as hell. But then, at the same time, is it with good reason? Her mom, as we learned last episode, her mom and her are the two sole shareholders in Lodge Industries or whatever. And in order for Fred to get his little contract, Hermione forced her signature. Well, now Veronica's lashing out. And I just don't buy her as a bad girl. All this lashing out she was doing, it was like she was performing this. It wasn't... Like, I think if Betty, that that actress and that character, did what Veronica did this episode, it would be more believable to me. I think she may be a stronger actress. Or I don't know. I don't. I don't. Even, I don't even want to put it on that. I just feel like Veronica's this nice girl, and I can't see past her being this nice girl. 
And it's so strange to say that in the world of Archie, um, when it's usually you said it about Betty and Veronica is the badass, but I'm just seeing more risks being taken with Betty and not with Veronica. So, I mean, I don't know. Again, face value, it served its purpose. She was a bad girl. She's spending money that they don't have to prove a point to her mom. Whatever. This plot really was kind of boring to me, so I didn't care too much about it. Um, but the return of Cheryl. When I tell you I screamed, I hollered, I cackled. <sighs> Everyone's sitting in the, the the student teacher lounge at this University of Riverdale. And uh, they're talking about, well, you know, Polly escaped. And Polly, you know, the Blossoms can't find out such and such. What I want to know is, why is all these kids discussing this damn case? Everything out in the open, like, there comes a time where you have to realize there are other people at this school on this show. And one of the little girls who's running behind Cheryl overheard the conversation, text Cheryl. Cheryl shows up at the, uh, at the funeral home, good lord, at the, uh, police station. Her mom is talking to, uh, Sheriff Keller. She's like, look, let me be a River Vixen again, and I got some news for your ass. Her mom's like, girl, if you don't shut the hell up, she's like, hey, you want this news or not? Because, uh, I got this hot fire for you, you know, I got this, this Riverdale hot take, you know what I'm saying, I'm the only redhead in town who's natural, you know what I'm saying, you ain't even natural moms, so, <laughs> she's, um, you know, lets everybody know what's going on, <sighs> this was such a strange thing, and this is why I feel like, like, this is where I kind of get divorced from the show, these instances where, I'm in it, I'm in the world of Riverdale, and I'm, I'm accepting everything you're giving me, but, when these kids, these high school students, let's say 16, 15 to 17, are just walking around with information that the police don't even have, it's like, who's doing their goddamn job? Then Cheryl's like, yeah, well, Sheriff, uh, Polly escaped from this mental institution. You need to get on this. And also, I tweeted this to all my followers, so the time's running out. What? What the f- What? I was like, okay, I don't know what the fuck. I, I was all the way fucked up. Like, what? <sighs> Clearly, I'm speechless now, hell. But, um, after that, we get to, um, Jughead and Jelly Bean, where he's, you know, um, actually, I don't know. Scratch that, because I don't know why I wrote that down. Uh, but the hunt for Polly. And this is a scene that came in a very, very close second. It probably is my favorite, because it's longer. But we get Jughead, and we get Betty in the in the evergreen forest or woods or whatever talking to the search party like look this is this Polly left here the bus station is here the highway is here the car is here this is what we doing this was such a beautifully shot scene and i don't know if it's because it's reminiscent 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 <laughs> reminiscent of uh twilight to me regardless if you like the movie or not i feel like the way that um at least those last two were shot is very much like this scene here, and I enjoyed that. Um, we get Josie and the Pussycats again, three beautiful natural girls with their hairstyle. I just live for seeing them on camera. I'm upset that we don't see more of them, but I will say the amount that we see them falls in line with the story. I just wish that since this is Riverdale and it's about Riverdale, that we would get more of them. Hell, honestly, I take a little bit more Jughead over Josie and the Pussycats. I know, I know, that's kind of contradictory to what I've been saying all this time, but I just would like to see more people of color in the spotlight. And I, But when they're not in the bullshit that these other characters are, it kind of makes it hard, but um, 
all in all, they were beautiful. I was just like, these few seconds we get in y'all, these couple scenes we see in y'all, I just, I want more. You motherfuckers are beautiful. These, uh, whatever. So, moving on, we go through the search party, and we get dumbass Archie, who, oh, I can't stand this rockhead-ass nigga. Archie is walking with Betty. He's like, oh, you know, this stuff about your sister. I'm, um, I'm so sorry I haven't been there for you. What's your motherfucking excuse? Like, take a couple steps back. When Betty and Jughead are telling everybody in the teacher's lounge or student lounge what's going on, Jughead puts his arm around Betty. And so, you know, Archie and Veronica realize that there's something going on there. And they, you know, twist their faces up a little bit. And it's just like, nigga, if Jughead did not put his arm around Betty, I, I do not believe that Archie would be having this conversation with her. And it's like, you're her next door neighbor. You all have been friends since like four years old. Where are you? Like, where? how are you that fucking selfish? Because even, I feel like Betty has done everything that she's supposed to do. She liked this boy. She told him. He turned her down. That was that. They have a long-standing friendship. She decided to suck up her emotions and continue being his friend. Because just because he don't like you don't mean that y'all can't still continue your friendship. She's done everything she was supposed to do. He has done nothing that he's supposed to do. Archie is selfish, and he, there are plenty of high school students, uh, plenty of young middle school kids, teenagers who are selfish, but there are plenty who are not, and it just feels like everybody else is going on in Riverdale, dealing with all this emotional trauma, all this stress, all these murders, all these affairs, all this shit, and they still have time to be fully realized human beings who are compassionate and deal with each other. Even Cheryl with her rude ass, she's constantly sitting off these little smart ass remarks, but she still has these moments where she is likable and it, it, it just catches you off guard. Cause like, weren't you just cussing this motherfucker out just a minute ago? And then she's this sweet, vulnerable person. And then she's sweet. Archie has none of that. Where have you been the past six episodes when we've been dealing with Polly and Jason? It seems like he makes everything about him. Jason being murdered. Oh, well, what, he's, his life ended so soon. You know, much like mine. We're young. What am I going to do? I'm like, get the hell out of here. I'm tired of him. Fuck Archie. Um, but also, we get Veronica and, and Kevin. And Kevin being the token gay is being his token gay self. And it's just swooning and falling over everything that Veronica is saying and I I don't know if I like Kevin I don't know if it's because this is set in this very nostalgic particular type of world or if because I don't I feel like if we had another gay character on the show or bi or pansexual or something LGBTQAI anything to kind of contrast what we're getting from him because we had Moose cool but we had moose for like two episodes for a couple scenes of kissing kevin and then being like a jock with everyone else and his sexuality wasn't really highlighted and it's not a bad thing per se but in this show when you have this one character who's this one way i just i'm not i don't particularly care for what i'm getting from kevin because this is all i'm getting of this group of persons or people like this lgbtq ai like this is the this is all i'm getting is what i'm getting from kevin and so i was just ugh, i don't know him and this falling over veronica because she's oh i'm mad at my mom and this other thing why is this hotel and all her goddamn business everything that's going on with her mom 
everybody know, like what is what is going on in this town i don't i couldn't live in riverdale because i'm like what you nigga Y'all ain't about to know that me and my mom about to get evicted and my dad didn't left us and now we, you know, got to be prostitutes on the side and we stealing money from the church and then we sign a contract. Like, why would you know all that? Like, what is... And I get this is a drama and it's part of the story, but these people tell their business way too goddamn much. Um, then we get to... Um, hurts on my well. You know, when me and my, my mom won't do what I say, and when I was back in New York, I'd go out with my celebrity girlfriend and my token gay, and i just put my tongue down the throat of this big man. And it's like, oh, girl, are we just... What are, you, what are we doing? It's like, oh, and that's Josie, and that's you, and that's Reggie. And I'm like, I don't even believe the whole friendship. Like, we see Josie, but I just... I feel like Josie does not exist in this space like we see her included but i don't it doesn't feel genuine i go with it because of the story but are there no other black kids at this school like we see a few here and there walking down the hallways and we definitely see that one girl in that same establishing shot they've been using since the first episode because if you watch riverdale i want you everyone under the sound of my voice next time you watch riverdale when they do an establishing shot in the daytime of the school, look at the bottom right-hand corner and see that same black girl in that pink shirt with that long, thick hair laughing, and it's like a two-second loop, and they do it every single time. We don't even see that damn girl. Then I happen to see a black guy with a scarf around his neck um, during one of the later scenes, and I'm like, where the hell he been? So it's just like, ugh. Okay, Josie's your celebrity friend, cute, but... Girl, Josie, where do you even live? I just whatever. I digress. Um, but the best part of this scene was watching the Blossom family, uh, Dad Blossom, Mom, I forget their names, and Cheryl slow motion walking they pale vampire looking asses down the 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 evergreen golden railroad or whatever and confront alice where it's just like oh i'm thinking these motherfuckers is finna i'm when they walked what i heard in my head was brooke valentine's girl fight because i just knew alice and uh what's her name um calliope i don't know hell mama blossom were finna go at it well but (laughs) then the other thing on top of these two being my favorite parts of this thing we hear cheryl Address Alice's mommy dearest. Now y'all know anybody who been listening to this goddamn Welcome to Riverdale, you know when I heard her say mommy dearest, oh I hopped up, I clapped, I shouted, I said I called it that motherfucker. <laughs> she is mommy dearest. Um, and the other funny part about this scene is when uh they're going back and forth, um Mama Blossom and Mama Cooper with their little word of words, and she's like, oh I, you think if I knew where Polly was, I'd be out here with things mosquitoes and that pause i don't know if that was intentional or if that was just like what was edited together but it felt like she was about to say you think i'll be out here with these niggas <laughs> but whatever no the funny part is where um mama blossom was talking about um we're here and we're gonna find your drug addict daughter and murder daughter, whatever she said she's like, and we have the backing of sheriff keller and he was like okay wait a minute and i think we are are missing that Sheriff Keller is the like unsung hero of Riverdale because out of every single cast member on this show, 
everyone and i am i'm not excluding josie and the pussycast i'm not excluding anybody sheriff keller seems to be the only person who is kind of a real person because he's like he's kind of like chris and get out where chris is like these crazy ass white folks i don't want to be around all these white people you know what's going on like the same internal dialogue that chris had in get out is like what i see with sheriff keller in riverdale because he's like okay you motherfuckers is cr- like I just know and it's so weird because Kevin is his son and they're so different I don't know I just my mood for this entire episode was Sheriff Keller like what nigga I didn't say that <laughs> but um Alice um she uses that degree and that job title and she puts this little PR spin on um the hunt for Polly which I appreciated seeing that because again we can call Alice a bitch. We can say that she's overbearing. She's controlling. But all in all, right or wrong, what she's doing is for her children. Like, she's making these decisions that we as the viewers are getting upset at. And that's fine. But she's doing this for her daughters. Like, yeah, she doesn't want Polly to have this baby. She didn't want anyone to know she had the baby. She didn't want her to be with Jason. She didn't tell her about Jason. But when you look at it, yeah, she's giving Betty Veen's Adderall pills. She's, you know, trying to control her social and her dating life and this and that. But... What parent doesn't do this? Maybe not to this extent, but you already know. Your daughter comes home with some guy you know in your heart of hearts isn't good for her. You're going to say that. Your son brings some girl home that you don't think is good enough for him. You're going to say that. You know, your child is messing up in school, but then you see that they're also hanging out with these friends. You don't need to be with them. Like, I feel like Alice is mommy dearest all day long. She is this big bad, but she's coming from a place of this is my children and I'm trying to take care of my children and like she said hell the cat's out of the bag now we about to go and put this PR spin which is so I really like that because for me the blossoms in my head and what I think they're trying to relate to us are are that they are the wealthiest family in Riverdale and I can accept that secondly Alice is not wealthy but they're I figure middle class working white people Alice does not have the money that the Blossoms have. And a lot of times, it seems that people who do just have money or are born into money aren't as smart because you don't have to be here. You got the money. Alice is going after... She's she's attacking the situation very Olivia Pope style. She's attacking the situation with her, with her, her brains, her smarts, her intelligence. Whereas the Blossoms, it's like, let me throw money at it. And it seems like for them to be the wealthier or the wealthiest family, they would have had the idea that, okay, Polly escaped from this home. Let's go on TV and smear and slander them right away. But they don't. And it's like once Alice came up with this plan to, you know, do this whole televised, where's our daughter? We miss you. Come home. By the way, she's pregnant. That was a very smart and strategic move. So wealth doesn't buy you, you know, street smarts. And I get it that Alice... My feeling is that, shit, she didn't have to pull herself up. And I I don't want to get into the whole specifics of her pulling herself up by her bootstraps versus some brown or black person in a less favorable neighborhood and financial situation doing the same. But for the context of this show, Alice did a really damn good job at getting on top of the situation and making sure that her narrative was the narrative that you follow. Um, And I, 
I, just, I don't know. I just, again, I don't know if this was intentional or if it was just, oh, she's into journalism and PR and this and that, so she should do this, as opposed to it being a specific move on the part of the writers to say, okay, this is something that she does versus what the Blossoms would do based on their research. I don't know. I just thought that was a very smart move to have her and her family. And it's like she is the patriarch and matriarch of this family. Yes, Hal is there, but it's like he's he's kind of like her right hand. Like she's the king. She is, And he's, you know, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it gave me a very Game of Thrones <laughs> type of feel. Um, and it was a very quick scene. And uh, Betty's like, oh, I don't know about this. And that's... Something that kind of bothers me about Betty from time to time, because it's like, okay, I get that you don't agree with your parents or what they're doing, and you have difference of opinion, but at for this particular situation, Polly is missing. So this whole, I don't feel comfortable about going on camera and talking to the news about my missing sister. Girl, this is what people do. You don't know where Polly is. No one else knows where Polly is. You want her to be safe. The more exposure, the better that she'll be. I don't know. I just like, Betty, that seems kind of weird if my sibling gets missing. I'm hopping on Channel 12 News right away. I'm getting on Twitter, Instagram, and emailing everybody. My sibling is gone, you know. But whatever story comes out, and everybody's devastated. And let me go forward just a little bit because um, it's been a little bit too much time on the beginning. Yes. Um, Jughead's dad. And this little redemption thing he's going through. This storyline was kind of boring until the very end. But it was very boring because it's like, oh, Jughead's trying to get his dad to get his drunk self together. But what I liked about this is that Archie and Jughead decided to make a plan to get together to get his dad his job back. And all this time where you're thinking that Jughead is just this spoiled, cisgender white man who thinks that the world owes him something. He actually has reason well he doesn't because he doesn't know but his dad um the reason why he's such a freaking mess is that well andrew's uh construction company is partly his which that fucked me all the way up i didn't see that coming um it came out that well him and fred started the company together but you know shit happened and Fred only had his uh, wife and Archie to take care of, whereas FP, which is such an odd name, I don't know what that stands for, FP Jones had to take care of Jughead, Jellybean, and the wife, and I think he has a brother too, I don't know, um, and, you know, he said he took odd jobs on the side, and, you know, some of that stuff landed him in jail, and Fred was like, look, I can't have you, which is what he said to Hermione in the first episode, so it kind of made me kind of believe him a little bit, where he's like, I can't have you associated with this company. Like you're, you're doing things that, you know, are bad for my brand or whatever. And he, um, buys them out. Well, he buys them out by bailing them out of jail. Fred buys out FP. Well, now Archie finds out that Archie's devastated and Jughead's like, you know, shit, I didn't know about it either. And it's this whole theme of second chances in this episode. And I appreciated that, but it's just like, mm. Is that really what happened? It sounds good. Well, we get Fred's side of the story when Archie confronts him, which is strange that everyone is just confronting their parents so aggressively and not just, like, asking questions. Well, um, he's like, well, here, that's his story. My side is. We started it together, and I bailed him out of jail time after time after time after time. And I feel like the truth is somewhere in the middle because they both sound 
like reasonably true stories but all in all it the moral of this situation or the the thing to take away from it is that Jughead was being kind of swept up into the bullshit based off of the sins of his father and I really enjoy seeing FP this episode uh, it gives more makes Jughead a little bit more dynamic and it gives more insight into um into their history stuff that we didn't get before because we could glean that he didn't have a great relationship with his father Jughead and FP but now it's kind of spelled out and it's and they've been doing a good enough job with the parents and the kids um throughout this seven uh episode run so far because even with Josie and her parents and Cheryl of course and her crazy parents same with Betty same with uh Archie but we're even getting Fred and we're getting Veronica and like I I appreciate that. What I won't appreciate is that we're... It don't look like we're ever going to get around to Jughead. I want to see his parents. I want to see his Asian parents. Like, the, what... Because he's wealthy in the comic book. He's rich. So, you know, I assume that they're still upper class, wealthy people. What are what are these um, stereotypical... Are they stereotypical minor, mo, model minorities? Like the quiet Asian that's just, you know, um, into science or... Um, into a doctor or something and they're just this model quiet minority that's off to the side doing whatever or are they full of personality are they fully realized are they like what is the dynamic there i want to see that explored like i i don't know it's such a shame like we're seven issues issues seven episodes in of 13 i don't know if we're gonna get that i hope so if not it's sad but Archie has been approved for a second season, so maybe we'll get more there. Um, and with that being said, I hope we find out who the damn the murder is, the the murder mystery this season, and it doesn't carry over to the second. But hell, who knows? It's always something. Um, all that on the wayside. Um, we also had a scene where FP got his job back, and Hermione walked in, and Fred introduced him. He's like, "Oh, you remember her from high school?" Blah, whatever. Well. Fred, Fred, FP says, um, no, Hermione's like, you didn't come here to shake me down, did you? He's like, no, I came to get my job back. Are you going to make that hard on me? She's like, no. And, uh, she, he was like, well, no, I'm not going to shake you down. Your husband settled that dead after we left you with that snake. And it's like, uh, okay, this is a little bit melodramatic for the both of y'all, but okay, um, adults. And, um, that comes back later, uh, towards the very end, and I'll get to that a little later. Taking a couple steps back, we go to Veronica lashing out and going to the nightclub, like she said. And this random, undisclosed nightclub in Riverdale, this does not seem real at all. I'm thinking, did y'all go down to New York? Like, how far are you from Riverdale? And who are these people, these extra people at this club? Well, we get everybody in all black, Josie, Kevin, um, Reggie, and Veronica dancing the night up. Night away, then they get a little VIP booth, which is like, okay, you all are in high school. Um, it, well, this has to be Riverdale because they're in the VIP area, and um, you know, Veronica's telling her business again about her dad and losing her name and blah blah whatever. Why she's so mad at her mom, which is legitimate. But when the guy comes over, um, who I believe is the owner of the club, and is like, well who's an Asian guy, by the way, and uh, he never gets a name. We never know what his title is, but me, in my head, he's the owner. Uh, he's like, look, girl, 
your damn car was declined. And she was like, yeah, that means this, me and my mom are going to negotiate. And he's like, well, I'm supposed to call the police. And she's like, oh, you're going to call the police? Well, go ahead and we'll tell them how old we are. And then Josie, Josephine is like, and I'll tell my mom, the mayor. And I'm like, okay, so this is in Riverdale because your mom's the mayor. But who in the hell doesn't recognize the mayor's daughter? And ordinarily I'd say, okay, whatever, it's no big thing. It's just that, you know, everybody looks like, but the mayor is a black woman. There's not that many black people in this town. When this black girl walks up to your club and gives you whatever fake idea, whatever, like, you didn't, I don't know. I just, I feel like for Riverdale to be, come off as this little small town where everybody only eats at Pop's Chocolate Shop, even though they're wealthy as fuck. Um, and it's this quaint little, everybody knows your name and every family knows every family. Why would you not realize that this is the mayor's daughter? At your, I don't know. It was just weird, but um, she goes home to her mom and they get to negotiate. And she like, look, I'm gonna date Fred and I'm gonna bust it wide open for him. And you're just gonna have to deal with it. And Veronica's like, well, can you tell Dad I didn't forge this? You know, I didn't sign off on this little agreement. And it's such a weird relationship, a weird thing that they're doing. But I do like that. Um, there was this mother and daughter talking out their issues. Um, and it, I guess it was about a man, but really it was overall about their issues with each other. It just happened to involve two men, their, uh, Veronica's father and Fred Andrews. But I feel like this was a really interesting way. Cause it's not, you see, when we see Betty and her mom and we see Cheryl and her mom and we see Veronica and her mom, and it's just like, regardless of your situation, everything isn't always perfect. And the way that they choose to deal with each other or the way they relate to each other is slightly different and sometimes this world's apart and I enjoy seeing that because I'm not a girl I'm a guy and I have a mom and I have a relationship with her but I don't know firsthand what it's like to be a young girl and deal with your mom and you know the stereotypes of oh you're just like your mom or you're trying to get away from being like her or oh she's you know she's ruining my life and whatever else like it was good for me to see I enjoy seeing images like that on TV and comic books and different media. I just enjoy that because that's not my life. And I that's when it's done well, that's me being able to take a peek into another part of life that, you know, I know nothing about. So I enjoyed that, but it still was kind of weird. <laughs> like we sit here negotiating my affair as your mother and then your acceptance as my daughter. But it was, it was, it was, a, it was a good scene, albeit weird to me. Um, let's see what else. So we looking for Polly turns out you know Jughead and Betty are a thing and I'm I had my issue with him not being presented as asexual but him and Betty at first it seemed like a reach but it it's growing on me and I and I don't know if it's nostalgia double nostalgia like I'm getting from this being Archie Comics and then I'm getting nostalgia from me enjoying Cole Sprouse from being on Big Daddy with Adam Sandler when he was a little kid and then being on Sweet Life for Zack and Cody on a Disney Channel. Like, I know I'm getting it from all angles, but I really like this character and I like them together. Well, Betty's like, look, you know, my sister is up in the attic. She doesn't say it, but she goes up and talks to her and they do things really like this little, what is it called? A, a jump cut or whatever, like they do in horror movies. And they did it here with... Betty in the attic looking for Polly and then Polly surprising her and like putting her hand around her mouth and it was a really quick scene and I felt like it 
probably was used to invoke some kind of emotion and it did like get my heart racing a little bit more and I was like okay oh shit okay we back and I don't know if that's used to make you kind of feel like Polly might be crazy I don't feel like she's crazy there's nothing that Polly is doing that for me screams crazy maybe that's how it is for other people but she seems like the most sane under Sheriff Keller hell um so she's like look I don't I'm still trying to go to this farm up north and I'm thinking okay Polly's plan is even though Jason's dead they had a plan to go up north to some farm and raise their baby she still wants to do that now the question is whose damn farm is this and what are you going to do on a farm by yourself with that baby how are you going to support y'all how are you going to pay rent you know and lights and utilities and all that and then like she can't be no more than 17 i'll even give you 18 okay she's grown she's 18 i'll give you that but what are you what are you doing you have no job you have no resources like what are you doing and um but for the sake of the story i overlooked that and i don't know all in all it was i guess it's weird it's weird too so um betty um is approached by cheryl she's like look put our shit to the side this is the truth uh we need to make sure that baby jj is uh taking care of my niece and nephew and i don't trust her like i'm really i'm here for cheryl but i don't trust her and the whole time i'm like betty don't 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 take this so when we fast forward and we have betty and the blossoms the, the mom dad and cheryl sitting in pop's chocolate shop because that's the only place in town to eat and they're to my oh where is polly we just want the best for her. You and Polly are now part of the family. I'm like, bitch, you gonna eat this shit up? No, I don't. No, run. You in danger, girl. Run. But that wasn't, I, I don't know. It felt like Betty was falling for it because, of course, towards the end, we find out she did. Um, her, Veronica, uh, Archie, and Polly waiting at the chocolate shop. Cheryl walks in with this look on her face, and she's like, you gotta go. And I'm like, what? I'm like, where are your parents? No, you gotta go. They don't want what's best for you. They want you out of the picture. And I'm like, and that that way in which she said that, for me, it screamed something much larger than what she said. To say, because it could have, she they could have easily said, we on they only want the baby. They don't want you, or they just wanna, they just want their grandchild or something. But, um the phrasing the wording that she used for me screamed murder which put them back on my list of um who killed jason because it it just wasn't i don't know it's i try to watch the show and enjoy it but i also try to look at different things that could be easter eggs for later on like i'm still waiting to see the payoff for that comment that um jughead made being the narrator at the end of the episode where um the only black kid in town the uh coach's son and the sticky maple and all that shit where he said well the consequences of this would come back weeks later i'm still waiting on that patiently but um she's like oh i have nowhere to go blah whatever what am i gonna do and veronica's like well my mom would be glad to help then we cut to polly and uh betty at hermione's house and this filled me with so much joy so much black boy joy so much petty joy so much viewer joy (laughs) because (laughs) We know that Alice and Hermione are not friends, but she says something. What did she say? I wrote it down. 
about her home being open. She's like, anything for Alice Cooper's daughters. And it's just like, that was such a quick line and the scene kept moving. But I'm like, oh, this shit is coming back. Everybody, Alice is, fin- Alice is finna go on a shooting spree and kill everybody in this town. Because there ain't no way these this woman of color who she can't stand to begin with is taking care of her daughter oh hell no alice ain't for this so i'm i'm ready to see that show down there um let's see what else do we have um the nightclub trash um now when it came out why fp was pissed i i um i felt less upset with fp and jughead whining about and i don't even want to say whining like they don't have reason to but over um fred firing him but at the same time regardless to how it started and how you feel about it you were still stealing from the company and like not coming to work and stuff so even if you felt like you were owed more then that's when you take legal action like to just not come to work and expect you're going to have your job or to be drunk all the time like that for me that's why i still can't take you seriously even after finding out you started this company with fred like i don't don't know you're probably he's a victim of his circumstances but and i hate to sound insensitive but it just was weird like why would you i don't know i don't know i will see how this plays out but um let's see veronica vip um archie versus dad uh Oh, one thing, I like how they play around with words and with stuff that we know. Like with Twitter, um, when they had the little Twitter thread and when they had a little fake Instagram. And I I paused (laughs) the episode when they did the sticky maple thing and Veronica was looking at the comments under her picture. They don't use curse words on this show. Like even the, the words that were typed under the picture, like they didn't say damn, they didn't say whore or anything like that. It was like, darn it, and bad girl it's just it was so funny so when um veronica comes in from the club she says something about oh you canceled my american excess card and i was like what i rewind that not american express america excess and that's cute right there i like i like that and it's probably i don't know it may be because they can't use those words i don't know why you wouldn't i don't know but it could just be in that whole nostalgic wholesome archie verse where it's yeah, we're edgy, but we're still kind of, I don't know, giving you just enough or making it just campy enough. So I thought that was cute. Um, but whew, everything I've said has led up to this moment here where we get Jughead walking into the blue and gold office. There is Sheriff Keller and there is black ass Mr. Weatherby. Weatherby has no lies. <coughs> Shh. Weatherby has no lines. But they're looking at this murder board, which looks probably identical to what Sheriff Keller had in his office at his own goddamn house. Now, my issue here is that Jughead has come into the Blue and Gold office. Him and Betty have been so full of themselves that they didn't think, well, we are still students at a high school. How about, since we're investigating the murder that we have no business being around, Let's take all this evidence and findings with us when we leave. Let's not leave a big-ass board up in the office for any staff member or janitor or other student to walk in and see that we have this big shrine to Jason's murder. That would be, I don't know, that, that's, that's what I would do. I would take everything down. So <clears throat> Sheriff Keller 
It's like, look, I need to talk to you. Jughead's like, what? The fuck? And this is where the show never ceases to amaze. They fucked me up. Whereas um, we find out Jughead is a suspect in Jason's murder. I rebuke that, not my Jughead. I rebuke that in the name of all of the Archie comics before this show. Every single digest that has been printed over the years, Jughead is not a suspect in my heart. <laughs> but, um, so we're sitting down with him, and, um, I don't know if we're at the school or if we're at the police station. I don't know. But we're in the room, and he's talking to Jughead, and he's like, well, when you were in elementary school, you tried to burn down the school. He was like, yeah, I was a kid playing with matches. And this is all because uh, he's like, we found you, your fingerprints on the car that was set on fire that you and Betty found. And I'm thinking like in my head, yeah, because he touched the damn car. So did Betty. I think Betty did. I don't know. But either way, he touched the car. And he's like, yeah, um, I was a kid. I was playing with matches. That's kind of what some kids do. Like, that's a normal thing. And he's like, oh, well, we also find out, because I looked at your student record, that, you know, you're getting bullied, and you had a hard childhood, and you have a deadbeat dad, and this and that. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? First and foremost, is that standard practice for a police officer to interrogate a minor without a parent or guardian or lawyer? Like, that just... I've watched a lot of Law and Order. I've watched a lot of Law and Order SVU, a lot of NCIS, a lot of Criminal Intent, a lot of um, I don't know Criminal. Like I've watched a lot of crime shows, and I don't, you know, I didn't go to school for criminal justice, but that seemed kind of off that you would be. In, uh, I don't know. Um, so uh, ultimately, he's like, "Look, I want a lawyer," and uh, Keller's like. No, motherfucker, you did this. Like, they're trying to blame this on him, and I can almost see it. But Betty comes in, and she's talking about, that's okay, we're going to get you out of here. All the evidence is circumstantial. Mm, pump your brakes, young lady. So you're a detective, and you're a lawyer. Like, what are you doing? You only work for the blue and gold. Like, it, these kids, I find it harder and harder every episode to accept that they're 16, 17. These are fully grown adults with law degrees and uh, police experience. Like, why in the hell? Betty, why are you even here? So, um, the thing is that uh, FP didn't show up because he's drunk somewhere. And Archie's dad showed up and he's the white savior. And he's, you know, taking care of Jughead because he's like, hey, Keller. He was, um, what was that? the 11th the 4th of july well yeah he was working with me putting up some drywall and i'm thinking which i never thought of over this entire time where was jughead on the 4th of july like and i hate to say this but you know yes where was he because we don't know we getting this story from like with his narration and i may be wrong if so please tweet me and let me know but i can't remember where jughead was I remember he knows about the um, the murder, and I remember him showing up with the rest of the town, like when they, um, I think when they pulled Jason's body out the water. Some that first episode, I remember he was there with everyone, but I don't think it's ever been clear. And it might be, if so, forgive me and you know shout at me on Twitter. But I'm like, where were you? I still don't think he did it, but you know, there's that there. So we get this scene where. 
Jughead, Archie, Betty, and Fred walk outside, and FP's walking up like, hey, you know, I'm here now, and they're like, oh, well, Fred took care of it, and, you know, he's like, oh, well, fuck Keller, I'm gonna beat his ass, he's trying to send my son to jail, and it's this very emotional scene, and it's so, it's like, I think they want you to hate FP, but I don't, I'm like, he's just, he's drunk, he's a drunk, he's trying to get his family together, and he, like, he, Whatever, he's not the best person, but I don't, I don't, I feel kind of indifferent about him. I don't think he's a villain or a hero, but, um, you know, he's in the trailer park. He's in the home by himself now. All his family has left him. He has no job. He has to turn to illegal activity just to damn pay the bills. Like, I, I kind of empathize with him, but I don't really care one way or the other. What I like is that, um, and I was talking to myself when the scene was going on. He was like, okay, son, well, now that that's taken care of, come on, come home with me. We're going home. And Archie was like, well, if Mr. Jones, he can stay with us. You know, I already talked to my dad. And that kind of broke my heart because it was like, oh, what? Like, I knew that was coming, but it was like, damn. And so in my head during this whole scene, I'm like, go with your dad, go with your dad, go with your dad. And I'm saying this to myself. And is like, well, you know, I'll go, I'll go home with my dad. No, um, FP says, oh, is that all right with you? Or something to Fred. And he's like, well, this is between you and him. You know, y'all make the decision. And he's like, okay, I'll go with my dad. And, uh, then his dad kind of has like this epiphany. He's like, look, I'm trying to get myself together. You know, I'm not doing that good as dad. I just, I just need some time. Okay. I just need like maybe a month, no more than two. And when he said it, this scene they did this so well that I understood without him saying that he wanted Jughead to be with um, the Andrews. It was never said, but it was just, I don't know, in the way. Whew, I just got wrapped up in this scene. I said, I don't know what's going on. Did somebody speaking from personal experience or somebody is just damn good at their job and writing because I'm all in. I'm all for this. Um, and so uh, he walks away. Betty walks over and she touches him does a little girlfriend thing and it's so cute like this whole last scene was beautiful and i'm thinking okay that's that's the plot twist we done <sighs> get to the closing last i don't know minute and 20 seconds of the show and Jughead's is narrating about hope and hoping things get better and blah blah whatever then we get to drunken mr fp jones in his trailer stumbling all over the place drinking his sweet water or whatever walk past his closet and what do we see (sighs) jason blossom's varsity jacket when i tell you i hollered i hopped up again i said what the fuck because i'm like i somehow i didn't know but i knew um i'm gonna stop there we're just gonna go with my favorites favorite character honestly i'm torn um i'm just gonna say jughead because that's my default favorite character of this series but honestly if i'm going to be honest with myself in this episode it was the whole crew like all the kids really all of the it was jughead and betty it was archie it was veronica it was even you know josie and reggie every kid in the show served their purpose and they executed their roles really well this particular episode so for me Jughead is number one but really the kids the main cast of kids they did a really damn good job 
uh, my favorite scene again is that beginning scene that ode to Archie Digest scene that was beautifully shot and beautifully dressed and lighting and cinematography and all that it was just great the acting too Betty and her mom kind of turning their heads at the same time with that smile plastered on their face great work um close 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 second is the hunt for Polly scene and I mean the entire scene from seeing those beautiful three black girls with their natural hair out in the woods to watching the blossoms slow walk up to Alice and Alice with her little PR stint the whole hunt for Polly was magnificent now getting to the meat of what you hear for who killed Jason Blossom well this week I am I don't know <laughs> they didn't fuck me up so as my number one and two is Hiram and FP and I only say Hiram and FP because Hiram is in jail and he's getting a lot of shit done and I say uh, FP and I really don't think he killed them but I think he may have killed them like he's struggling for money he's doing unsavory things he already is in bed with Hiram with like bringing down the property value of the god damn it bringing down the property value of the um of the drive-in so you know what's the extra step of killing Jason for you I don't know why you would need that, but hell, I'm sure it could happen. And then he may not have killed them, but shit, I'm sure FP was probably who was following Jughead and Betty in the last episode, you know, to the car. He got the car, got the, uh, the varsity jacket and then set the car on fire. Maybe he planned on, I don't know, selling it to the Blossoms. I don't know. But because of his involvement, with Hiram so far, I'll say Hiram is a number one and FP is a strong number two. Um, then for number three, I have the Blossoms. Like, as parents, I don't, they seem shady. I think they may have done something. And, you know, I'm not going to put it past them. At the very least, the mom, like, she, she could have, then again, I don't know, maybe the father, maybe it was Jason's, you know, being a disgrace. I have to take care of him. And, and, and you know, that makes us look good. Our prodigal son is gone. Now, you know, no one will ever suspect us. And they just didn't know about the baby. And now that you know about the baby, it kind of fucks stuff up. And I don't know. I think the Blossoms did it. And then my strong fourth is Hal Cooper. Because we have Alice in the forefront. And Alice seems to be more of the patriarch, matriarch of the family. She's taking care of things. But that just leaves room for Hal to be sneaky, you know, in the background. And... I don't know. I just feel like he maybe has something to do with it. So, favorite scene, or excuse me, favorite character, Jughead, but the whole cast of kids overall. Favorite scene was the very beginning, fun, colorful Archie scene, but the hunt for Polly, that was it. And who killed Jason Blossom? Hiram Lodge, uh, F.P. Jones, uh, The Blossoms, and Hal Cooper. So, with that being said, man, stay out them goddamn woods. Don't go to these clubs if you are underage and your mom is the mayor. Um, don't spend money that your dad then left for you and your family when he went to jail. <laughs> so, you know, stay carefree and preppy and um, shit. Stay away from these crazy-ass people in this town. <laughs> and that's it for this installment of Welcome to Riverdale.